0: Hey Disney fans, looking for the latest in Disney news?
1: And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars?
0: Well,
2: have we got the podcast for you.
0: Welcome to D23 Inside Disney.
2: I'm Jeffrey from D23.
1: I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney.
0: And I'm Tony from Good Morning America. And together, we're taking you Inside Disney. Surprise!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what's the surprise?
0: We're back!
2: I don't know that that's a surprise, Tony, but I'll take it. I think it would be more surprising if you weren't back. (laughs) We are here now.
0: (laughs) Oh, how are you guys? So good.
1: Holly and jolly. Yay. Those are the
0: exact words I was thinking, Sherry.
1: Yes. Tony, you had such a big week.
0: Let me tell you, Sherry, I was a busy bee. First of all, I think. We have really done it all here at Good Morning America because we sent an anchor into space. Michael Strahan went to space last weekend. It was quite the TV event and it was just really cool. It's one thing to cover something like a space launch, but it's another to cover it as, you know, a colleague and coworker and friend going into space. It was really, really neat. That's so cool. Good
1: Morning America, more like Good Morning Planet Earth. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) You know? Pitch it, Tony.
0: So that was my morning activity and an evening activity here in New York. I got to moderate a panel, an Encanto screening with Lin-Manuel Miranda and- What? Our
2: good friend Lin-Manuel Miranda. Our good friend
0: Lin-Manuel Miranda and Jared Bush. Oh, wow. One of the directors on the film. So super fun. Did you learn anything new? You know, it it was very interesting to see like how invested they are in- the intentional storytelling. I think we all know that from everything that we do and see and cover at Disney, but especially at the animation studio, the lengths they go to for Mm. research and development and especially for Encanto, really immersing us in that Colombian culture. They went through great lengths to make sure that was so authentic. So it was really, really sweet to not only hear them say that, but to literally sit six feet from them (laughs) on (laughs) a stage with, with a great audience. So that was a really fun. Fun Disney activity for me.
2: And for those who've not already listened, Lemon Miranda and Stephanie Beatrice on our pod from a few weeks ago, they were amazing. So
1: yes. Oh, Tony, that is so cool.
2: Hmm. Sherry, what have you been up to?
1: Well, as you both know, it's the best time of year. And part of my annual holiday tradition is to rewatch Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas on Disney Plus. Such a Aww. classic. I've been watching it as long as I can remember. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. It's like three mini holiday stories featuring Mickey and friends. And they are so sweet and funny and heartwarming. And am I going to cry just thinking about it?
0: Maybe. (laughs) Which is totally okay Okay. and allowed. Thank
1: you. Thank you for your support. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's what I did. And I'll probably do it again next week.
0: Aw. Yay.
1: How about you, Jeffrey?
2: Well, we opened... All That Glitters, The Crown Jewels of the Walt Disney Archives at the Bowers Museum last week. And let me tell you, the archives outdid themselves yet again. The jewelry, accessories, uh, all of these incredible detail pieces that they have on display at the Bowers. I was so blown away. They said it was going to be a smaller exhibit, so I thought it would be like three cases. No, no, no. It's like still over 200 objects
1: <laughs> wow uh,
2: it, it was amazing you've got the heart of the ocean from titanic you have black panthers the the really cool necklace you have billy porter's full costume from pose freddie mercury's costume worn by rami malek from bohemian rhapsody it is amazing and some of my super favorites. so you've got enchanted represented you have loki wandavision Buffy the Vampire Slayer—it just cuts across all the different parts of Disney, truly. And, and even there's some there's a couple of Disneyland pieces too, which I thought were really cool. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Is at the Bowers Museum now through June. That's down in Santa Ana. So definitely check that out. And congrats to our friends at the Walt Disney Archives for putting together such a fantastic exhibit.
0: Woohoo, Quite literally, yeah. everything that glitters.
2: <laughs> you know who else glitters? Our
0: guests today, our guests, yes, the
2: shining, shimmering, splendid Vanessa Williams um, joining so us. Too. I mean, she is a voice on Tots, which I, you know, was unaware of, but of <laughs> course, a very familiar to many, many Disney fans. Her incredible work on Ugly Betty, Desperate Housewives, mm-hmm. singing on some of our Disney specials. She is an icon and some of the stories she told. I just love her. I have a whole new appreciation <laughs> for everything Vanessa Williams. What did you guys think? I mean,
0: I thought we didn't have enough
2: time with her. I could have talked to her for an a 2 hours. We
1: got to do a part 2.
2: Hmm. Uh, before we get to that, we've got some news. And Sherry, I heard you've got a, a sweet treat of some news for us here. I
1: do. I do have a sweet treat piping hot fresh out of the oven. Cookie Ann Bakery Cafe is now open at Shanghai Disneyland. Yes, if you are in need of like an instant smile and that warm fuzzy feeling, Mm. pause this podcast, check out the Disney Parks blog because they've got pictures of this place and it is so adorable. It's the newest addition to Mickey Avenue at Shanghai Disney Resort, inspired by Cookie Ann's curiosity for the culinary world, her creativity, and of course her friendship with Minnie and Mickey and Duffy and all of their friends. There are some super cute murals of the gang inside. And the best part is there's this really awesome vintage oven right in the middle of the cafe that shows baked good animations. And of course, in addition to the animated baked goods, you can enjoy real pastries, cookies, souffle, Mm. pancakes, milkshakes, and so much more. It looks so sweet in every sense of the word.
2: I know my pal Carly will definitely be lining up for that (laughs) as soon as she can get over there. But a little bit closer to us, some great news coming out of Disneyland Resort. Our pals over at the Parks Blog announced more live entertainment and events returning, which was so exciting. At Destination D23, they announced a bunch of things coming back, including the Main Street Electrical Parade, Fantasmic, World of Color. Just so exciting to have all of these things returning. In addition, they announced that they will be adding celebrate gospel to the fantasy land theater where guests are going to be able to uh, enjoy some live performances and nothing like live music that was something that i definitely missed when the world was a bit more closed mm-hmm. down and really appreciate it so much more now and tale of the lion king which is this really cool adaptation of the lion king as one might expect with the storytellers of the pride lands who are a troop of traveling performers they present simba's timeless journey i can't wait for that i love some live performances and uh yeah fantasy land theater so get ready to check that out and just keep following our friends at the parks blog for all the latest information love that well can you guys smell
0: that <sighs>
1: uh, It smells like my closet. (laughs)
0: Mm. Well, it could be the faint scent of the ever fragrant Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. (laughs) It's back and it kicks off March 2nd and runs through July 4th. So save the date. I'm definitely going back home to Orlando for this. And I'm always so amazed at the giant character topiaries. I don't know if you have any favorites, but Mm. this year, There's going to be a new main entrance topiary that will feature Goofy and a 50th themed birthday cake in honor of course, Walt Disney World Resort's 50th anniversary, which spoiler alert, we are still celebrating. Don't you forget it. The festival (laughs) will also feature incredible eats. Sherry, I'm looking at you. Mm. 18 outdoor mm. kitchens, in fact. We'll be hearing a lot more about this in the coming months, I'm sure. And the Jeffrey just mentioned this live music, the Garden Rocks concert series at America Gardens Theater is also returning. So lots to look forward to. So fun. And I I love the figment topiary. Yeah. Of, of course.
2: Sherry, we we got to enjoy that a couple of years ago. That was we did. so much fun.
1: Ah, memories.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, A lot of big TV streaming announcements. So Disney-branded television is developing a reimagined Zorro series starring Wilmer Valderrama, which I think is so cool. And fun fact, the OG Zorro filmed right here on the Disney Studios lot from where I am chatting with you guys. And for those of you who've been to the studio lot and parked in the Zorro parking structure, well, now you know why. That is where Zorro films. So in development, hopefully we will get to see that at some point.
0: Oh, I did not know that.
2: Jeffrey, Tale of the Zorro Lot, interesting. Fun facts. In other Disney-branded television news, production has begun on Meet the Mayhems. Here in Los Angeles, it's a live action comedy series about a family of raucous supervillains. I mean, why (laughs) have one supervillain when you can have a whole family of them? So look forward to seeing that. Hopefully, I think it's gonna be coming to Disney Channel and Disney Plus in the summer of 2022.
0: Fun, well, some fun news from Freeform. They've Mm. greenlit their first, get this, their first animated series coming to free. Ah. The show's working title is Praise Petey. It follows Petey, a New York City it girl, and stars Annie Murphy and goes into production in 2022, y'all. And love her. She's the best. A save the date alert, everyone. One of the biggest movies of the year and whose cast members were quite frankly one of my favorite guests here on the pod. Mm -hmm. Yes, The Eternals is coming to Disney Plus, available to all Disney Plus subscribers on January 12th. So save the date, coming soon.
2: Nice, nice. Speaking of something very out of this world, very cool, Lucasfilm Games and Quantic Dream just revealed the trailer for Star Wars Eclipse. I have no idea what happens in this video game, except that I watched the trailer and I thought, I want this to be a movie. I want this to be a series. It is the first video game to be set in the era of the High Republics. It is an action-adventure game, puts the destinies of a array of playable characters in your hands. Visit StarWars.com if you have not seen this trailer. It is mind-blowing.
1: Wow, very cool. Well, in Walt Disney Animation News, the studio just revealed concept art for Strange World. Ooh! Ooh. It is an original action adventure where we get to journey deep into an uncharted and treacherous land where fantastical creatures await the legendary clades, a family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and by far most crucial mission. It is directed by Don Hall and will be a nod to Pulp Magazine Stories and releases November 23rd, 2022. So mark your calendars.
2: Yay. Shout out to our pals, Amy and Aaron over at Walt Disney Animation Studios. So,
1: woohoo! woo-hoo. And speaking of strange worlds, new episodes of the Disney Plus original series, The World, according to Jeff Goldblum, start streaming, or, or they're all streaming on Wednesday, January 19th. Lots of fun episodes coming. I am most excited for the tiny things episode (laughs) (laughs) where he goes into Legos, microorganisms, all kinds of little bitty things and the big impact that they make on our world. That sounds really cool. mm -hmm.
2: But you know what you're going to watch before then?
1: Uh, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas again. Well,
2: sure, (laughs) sure. There's that. But you can also watch Five Fantastic Things to Watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. For complete details, visit D23.com. Sherry, what's up first?
1: Up first is one of my all-time holiday faves, Love Actually. It will air on Friday, December 17th at 6 a.m. Eastern on Freeform as part of 25 Days of Christmas. I mean, guys, it's a 2003 icon. Hugh Grant,
0: the quintessential christmas movie
1: yes yes also on friday december 17th is a holiday episode of the simpsons on disney plus it's called tis the 15th season and it is a simpsonized version of a christmas carol so that sounds hilarious
2: speaking of a christmas carol on saturday december 18th on freeform's 25 days of christmas at 9 p.m you can catch Disney's A Christmas Carol with uh, Jim Carrey as Scrooge. Very, very cool. I saw that at the El Capitan years ago. I thought it was really amazing.
0: And on Sunday, December 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ABC, y'all, The Hills Are Alive with The Sound of Music, a true classic. And fun fact, I was Captain Von Trapp in a fifth grade musical. And all my daughters were taller than me. So what a memory. I can see that. I
2: I can see them definitely being taller. than.
0: Yeah,
1: I can see all of that.
2: (laughs) Yes. And I I thought you were going to say the hills are alive with the sound of Disney legend Julie Andrews, which is also true.
0: One trillion percent. Also a fact.
2: Also on Sunday, December 19th on Disney Plus, why not break out Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas? I mean, I feel like that's a fantastic thing to watch as we approach the Christmas
0: week. On to our guests. This amazing actor is a Disney diva. In the best sense of the phrase, her first major Disney work was singing the pop version of a little song for Pocahontas called Colors of the Wind. Since then, her Disney credits include roles on Milo Murphy's Law, Doc McStuffins, Ugly Betty, Desperate Housewives, Modern Family, 666 Park Avenue, Hannah Montana, The Movie, Phineas and Ferb, and The Proud Family as well as showcasing her incredible talents during the Disney Parks Magical Christmas Day Parade. Those of you with adorable tots can currently hear her voicing the role of Captain Beekman on, well, tots on Disney Junior. Please welcome to the show the fabulous Vanessa Williams.
3: Yay, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I didn't realize I had so many uh, Disney credits. Wow. I mean. It
2: felt like you never have worked for anyone else, which we are perfectly (laughs) fine with. Love that. How would you describe Tots to an adult Disney fan? Because we do generally appeal to adult Disney fans, so they may not know what Tots is.
3: Tots is a great show. It's targeted for like ages two to seven. And it is a show about Pip and Freddie, who are adorable flyers. And I play Captain Beekman, who is a pelican, and I'm in charge of all the flyers. And basically what they do is... The old-fashioned storks, they are delivering new babies to new parents of all different mm-hmm. kinds of animals. So each episode is about 11 minutes or so. And when you see the show, we usually do two back-to-back. And what I love about it, besides being kind of the captain, but also the mother figures, I get a chance to sing. It's, it's a musical show. So there are there's music within it. There's musical numbers within it. And Mia Mia, my little adopted little baby, uh kitten is uh, is my daughter. So I've got some really kind of fun, peppy, but kind of heartfelt themes that I talk about and sing about about, you know, being a mom and wanting a a, a new baby and having Mia, who's an adopted baby for me. oh.
2: I, I love that. We were going to ask what appealed to you about the role, but it sounds like you just like you literally just answered that. And I love that you get to sing on the show because it's just so fantastic.
3: I do. I, I love it. And it's amazing nowadays with technology and like my mic is right here on my desk. <laughs> I mean, working through COVID, I mean, you know, I've gotten so tech savvy just because we had no choice. We mm-hmm. had to move on. So downloading stuff and plugging in components to make sure the, you know, it sounded correct, you know, not going into a recording studio, we really had to adjust kind of on the fly in the past year and a half.
0: That sounds a lot like Jeffrey connecting for these podcast interviews. (laughs) Sorry, Jeffrey. I do sometimes have
2: issues. I'm very old. I have no, no, it does not work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa, you already mentioned this, but Captain Beekman is this fabulous pelican with purple hair, a purple uniform, brown eyes, honestly, my kind of pelican. Did you see yourself reflected in her?
3: Not really. We started out, and I know that you know that we started out and she was supposed to be very assertive and kind of no nonsense. And, you know, for that age group, like two to seven, it was a little difficult trying to make her assertive, but also make her warm. You don't want to scare these kids off, you know, you <laughs> don't want to be terrifying. So I think we made a couple of adjustments in the very beginning just because, you know, we try for the stern thing and it just didn't come off warm enough. So I think what I did vocally definitely morphed and the warmer I got, I think the more lovable Captain Bigman became, because yes, she does give assignments. She does have expectations, but she's also a wonderful, you know, warm place to live when you're talking about kids in that specific, you know, age range.
1: Okay, so your first major collaboration with Disney was your iconic rendition of Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Can you talk about what it was like recording that song?
3: It was a delight to record. Actually, we did it twice, and Stephen Schwartz and Alan Menken were the uh, lyricists and the songwriters who are amazing and legendary, and we recorded it in New York, and Keith Thomas who's done on my biggest hits, you know, Say the Best for Last and The Sweetest Days, he was the producer. And after we did the vocal, they wanted it more soulful. I was a little surprised because, um, you know, Disney and it's big and kind of more Broadway. So we added a few more, um, you know, a few more runs and and, uh, made it a little more pop. And then that's when they were happy because we had the legit version with Judy Kuhn doing the actual character in the movie. So this was kind of the pop version. So I think we were happy with where we ended up with it. But the, you know, the biggest, I think for me, not only winning the Golden Globe, I was there that night when it won and it won a Grammy, but to sing it live at the Academy Awards in 1996, that time it was at the Dorothy Channel Pavilion and it was... Uh, You know, I was wearing a chocolate brown Versace chainmail dress and I had aerialists and dancers all over the place. And I had to walk up a spiral staircase as as it's moving. It was a feat to get through, but thank God it went perfectly. And then it ended up winning that night and I got acknowledged. So that was one of my favorite nights of my career.
0: Wow.
2: What a great story. Something that I had the pleasure of seeing, I will never forget in 95, you performed at the Central Park event for Pocahontas, Pocahontas in the Park. I loved it. It was massive. The Great Lawn was packed with tens of thousands of people. I, you know, it was pre-internet. So like there were very few details about it. So suddenly they're like, ladies and gentlemen, Vanessa Williams and like the audience like lost their minds. What was that like for you?
3: It was wonderful because my kids were there. So I had my two girls and my son who was only, uh, you know, two at the time. But, you know, it reminded me, I'm a a New Yorker. So I remember I wasn't there that day. But when Diana Ross sang On the Lawn in in Mm -hmm. Central Park and then the storm came and she came out and she's soaking wet and people refused to leave. I mean, that was like iconic. So to kind of sort of be in the same area and sing an amazing song, Uh, reminded me of the Diana Ross performance, but it was amazing. I grew up watching Disney, you know, from Bambi to Night at Ball Mountain and Fantasia and, Mm. and, uh, you know, 101 Dalmatians and Aristocats. I still have my LPs of my Disney shows in my living room Uh. because, you know, we had records back then. And when you saw, saw, uh, you know, you would beg for like, oh, please, you know, I want the Aristocats record and I'd play it on my little turntable and stuff. So, you know, being a product of a Disney audience and then getting a chance to bring it to life is amazing. And then of course, I love the Disney amusement parks. And I remember when Disney World Open and we drove all the way down from New York to Orlando and I still have pictures of me and my corduroys and going to the park for, for, you know, winter break, and then growing up and having my children being able to go for their birthdays and going, jumping the line and the you know getting a
0: <laughs>
3: getting a, a guide and jumping the line and going on you know rock and roller coaster like numerous times without having to get up. I mean those are the huge Disney perks that uh, I will always cherish.
1: Wow, you really are a Disney Parks family. We <laughs> saw that in 2018. You celebrated your daughter Sasha's high school graduation at Walt Disney World.
3: Yes, absolutely. We've been there for many. I, I was there even in utero when, when my, I mean, not me, but my, uh, I think it was Melanie, my youngest daughter. I wanted to go for my birthday before I even had her. So that was 34 years ago.
0: Wow. In LA. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I'm just I'm gonna hang on every word that both of you are talking. I have such like a list of things to go and rewatch on the internet today. Vanessa, you're an icon. Central Park is an icon. Speaking of icons as well, to many of us, Ugly Betty. (laughs) Do you have a favorite memory from working on that show?
3: Wow, so many, so many amazing memories from Ugly Betty. It was my absolute favorite show to work on. Not only because every episode, it was like doing a feature film and you didn't know what I would be doing or where we'd be, but it was going to be spectacular. The production value was insane. Mark Worthington, who was our production design, was uh, truly magnificent. He could turn anything and make it look spectacular. You know, we had incredible clothing. So, again, I had, you know, not only fashion from what was uh, in style, but a lot of my stuff that I wore was vintage Terry Mugler, who we went to actual collectors of it and got a chance to kind of reinvent it and fit it to my body. So that was really unique because nobody else was wearing what I was able to wear. And it was trend setting. and not only trend setting, but it was making history in terms of the subject matter. I mean, our first year we're talking about trans. I mean, trans issues, just the first first, uh, you know, first season. And Mark Delicato's episode coming out was uh, truly extraordinary. Dealing with the work romantic balance with Wilhelmina and will she ever find love? Will she ever find success? Will she ever truly be happy? Illegal immigrants, when Ignacio has to deal with those type of work issues. So yes, it was groundbreaking in, in its themes and what we had t- approached. But for me personally, our table reads were, I couldn't wait for them because we all would open it up and be like, oh, what? Oh, what? Because we never knew where it was going to go. <laughs> I mean, like one, you know, one episode, I'm, you know, playing softball with Naomi Campbell, you know, in a mode, you know, uniform. And then, you know, I'm on a rooftop smashing a mannequin with a baseball bat. Then I'm in the middle of Times Square with my picture behind me, uh, you know, I just never know where it was gonna go each episode. So that was thrilling and also a great, great challenge. Mm. amazing.
1: During the last 18 months, so many of us binged a lot of films and series on Disney+. Plus. Did you have a favorite?
3: Uh, let's see, the last thing I saw was Luca, oh. which was beautiful, love that. Soul, yeah. Oh, yeah, Soul. I thought, I was like, mm, this is gonna be a little too complex. I had to, I probably rewatched it like three times just to get the levels of where we were going in terms of the character and death and life and coming back and all that stuff. So I thought it was pretty dense for a young audience to grasp. But it was brilliant. And obviously you guys took home a lot of trophies for that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've also been streaming on the YouTube, some fun things there. And you took part in a Desperate Housewives reunion to benefit the Actors Fund, which is an amazing uh, cause. Had you stayed in touch with any of those co-stars?
3: I just saw Terry, maybe April, I was out in L.A., We DM each other all the time and (laughs) I said I was in town and then then she said, let's get together and and we ended up having a lovely lunch. I think that was, yeah, that was in April. And then I was at her birthday party, I think uh, pre-COVID that December, because I was also shooting out in uh, 2019. And Eva, I've worked with her. She's got an amazing charity called the Global Gift Foundation. Mm. While she was pregnant with her son, I kind of did some of the Global Gift things. We did one in Dubai, one in France and Paris and one in, in London. Those are the two that I've actually seen and then I was just happy to see Marsha when we did our our, our uh, reunion. And now my, my Wi-Fi situation is much better. And I know what to do because <laughs> I could not get in my, my house is, you know, built in 1906. So uh, it's basically a stone carriage house and a stone cottage that are connected. So the signal doesn't go through the stone. So I was trying to desperately find... <laughs> a spot that I could get some good internet. So now I'm, I'm actually plugged into my ethernet right now. So nothing's going to happen. So uh, that'll (laughs) never happen again.
2: (laughs) That was a very funny moment. I do remember that. That show also had so many, I mean, like ugly Betty, there were just so many, Oh my goodness moments. Was there one favorite funny memory that you have that we can talk about on a Disney podcast?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, how I got to Desperate Housewives, we got canceled with Ugly Betty and we're shooting our last season. And James Alpine, who I had done Into the Woods with, with Stephen Sondheim, called and said, I want you to do the show called Sondheim and Sondheim at Studio 54, part of the Roundabout series. So I got a chance to move straight from Ugly Betty into doing Sondheim and Sondheim on Broadway. While I was on Broadway, Mark Cherry, who obviously developed and, and uh, was a creator of Desperate Housewife, is a huge Sondheim fan. So Mark comes to the show. I see him after the show. And, you know, he says he's a, he's a big fan. And I invite him to Sondheim's house because Sondheim was having a, a little get together his house. So from there, he said, I would love for you to join the cast. So that's kind of how I ended up getting through Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim gave me the opportunity to jump on Desperate Housewives. So that was an amazing kind of, you know, who knows whether it's fate, who knows whatever. But I ended up on Desperate Housewives for two great years. And what I liked about that is that Mark definitely used my comic skills to lighten it all up. You know, I got the sassy lines and it was fun. And again, I was a huge fan, especially when it came out because women 40 plus, it was groundbreaking to have five female leads over 40 that were beautiful and talented and funny every week on television. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was really, yet again, a game changer on television that opened up a whole lane for actresses that needed to work, that, you know, life wasn't over in your 30s. You actually, can still be a leading lady in television in her 40s. So that was a pivotal point for me as an actress Mm. to watch that, but then to jump on it was truly a pleasure. Mm. And I guess the theme for both Desperate Housewives and Ugly Betty is for some reason I'm always hooked up with my either romantic love interests or uh, I get engaged to Australian men. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Alan, uh, Grant Bowler, and and Charles, all all three, big hot. Australian dudes. So I mean,
0: not bad storylines, Vanessa. (laughs) (laughs) Switching gears a little bit. It's the most wonderful time of the year, as you all know, and you've performed at some of the Walt Disney World Christmas Day parade festivities, plural. What's that experience like? And do you have any standout moments from doing these over the years?
3: Being on the parade, the holiday parade, is always so much fun. Yet, because a you're going from New York to Orlando, so it's nice and warm and sunny, <laughs> and you're singing, you know, an amazing song that everybody has done, you know, recitals to and has meaning. And it's also an excuse for my kids to get a chance to hang out and an amazing opportunity to be, uh, you know, at, at the park and the component of being able to perform there. But it's wonderful, you know, because you're part of the parade and people know who you are, but they know the music. Mm -hmm. It's nice to be kind of in that legendary role where they'll always remember your voice, but also remember how you make them feel. Mm.
2: Any fun holiday traditions that you have with the family, Disney or or just not Disney even?
3: You know, my kids are all, they're all adults now. So, uh,
2: <laughs> it was so hard for you to say that <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm an empty nester. So yes, I miss having the hustle and bustle of raising kids and that holiday, you know, time preparing the house and stuff. But, uh, I always do it. I, we, uh, we, uh, I always get a, uh, you know, a, a few trees, which is important. I'm sure I've got Disney ornaments that have pictures that we've gotten while we're on the mm. parks that are on our trees. I love to cook. So it's a time to cook. And I always do mulled wine and mulled cider mm. to make the house smell great. Mm. And, and people never leave the kitchen when I've got a big pot of that uh, brewing. We usually do, I usually do lasagna on uh, Christmas Eve. They're allowed to open one gift and we'd go to church at the 515 mass when the kids would actually you know, dress up for the, the Christmas pageant. And then on Sunday or, or Christmas day, we'd you know, open presents and we'd make a huge brunch breakfast. And then, and my mom would usually do like Christmas dinner and stuff. My mom lives next door. So it's uh, a, so uh, we'd go from one house to another and just hope for snow and mm. uh, light up the fireplaces and just stay cozy and warm. Mm.
2: I mean, you had me at mulled wine.
0: (laughs) The lasagna, though, I'm- I
3: know, mm, I'm Sherry
2: does have her New Year's tradition of spaghetti, so I feel like there's a pasta thing in the holidays.
3: There we go. (laughs) Okay,
1: do you have a favorite Disney song that is not Colors of the Wind?
3: I've got uh, a makeup artist who's worked with me forever since Kiss the Spider Woman back in 1994, uh, Kate Best. Uh, who actually is out with Jennifer Lopez now. So, like, since I'm not doing anything, I'll allow her to, uh, <laughs> to we'll, we'll have to share her. But um, one of my favorite memories is when we were shooting Don Quixote in Valencia, Spain, and I was doing with John Lithgow and Bob Hoskins, and I was playing, you know, Aldonza and, um, I was up on this kind of tower that they had built inside the soundstage. And I was wearing like the pointed hat, the very medieval looking. And Kate was uh, down there and I was like, I'm wishing for the one I love to find me today. I'm hoping I'm doing all they do from Snow White, which Wait, wow. again is like one of my favorites, just because it goes all the way back to when I was a kid, you know?
2: Who knew we were going to get a concert? I'm very excited. I was <laughs> like, this is like- I got to experience that
0: just not
3: everybody. Oh I, I love Fantasia just because mm. my kids now equated the classical music to the visuals. So that's always locked in their brain as well. The scores of every Disney movie are incredible. They're indelible. So once you hear them, yeah. you remember them forever.
0: I will remember this podcast episode for forever. (laughs) Uh, Vanessa, we are here at the very end of our episode. But before we end every interview, we do ask all of our guests this hard-hitting question. And that is, what is your favorite Disney memory?
3: My favorite Disney memory would probably, I would have to say, we, we mentioned it, but it would be singing colors of the wind in central park because Mm. it was the realization of a dream which i never thought would ever even happen to be a part of a disney movie and it lasts forever so that would have to be my favorite disney memory
2: it's a great memory for me too, one. watching you yeah. do it. That was, it was Aww. just amazing.
3: And I think my my children still have the raccoon, the stuffed raccoon that they got. Miko! Yes.
2: <laughs> I'm that person. I have, I may have my stuffed Miko too. And <laughs> even though I was already a full adult because there's, that's totally normal. Anyway, moving on. Vanessa, thank you so much. We're so happy that you're a part of the Disney family and just so happy to speak with you.
3: So happy to have you. Thank you so much, and always, uh, always happy to uh, continue this amazing legacy. Uh, because it's it's a tremendous honor to be um, a part of of such history. But it's always even more special when I'm called upon to do the next adventure. So thank you so much.
2: Love her, love her. Could she have been warmer or more lovely? A
0: literal queen, and she puts 200% into every role she's ever taken on. She's just absolutely Mm -hmm. incredible.
2: Agree. Agree. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe, and if you want to chat with us, just hashtag D23 Inside Disney.
1: And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll
0: be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.